Yeah, I might have noted that this is better than pollution. I must have been high. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. Pirate Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Rob. And I'm Richard. And this week we're talking about episode 11, The Lost Tribe. Sometimes known as The Lost Tribe of the Orinoco or Safari with Hazelnuts. I've never heard it called that. Have you guys heard it ever called that? No, not the no. second one, no. Don't know where that's come from. But this was a, this is from Wikipedia, so someone might have just made that up. First broadcast on the 22nd of October 1971. Again on a Friday at 10.10pm. 10, 10 now, gents, I might kick this conversation off. Now, the goodies, I think, is at the absolute best when there's a good story and lots of gags. You can sometimes get away with a really loose story but lots of funny gags. Sometimes you can get away with one that isn't necessarily funny but there's a good story. And I would rate Pollution last week as being something like that. Uh, the Arts-based episode in a couple of weeks' time we're going to talk about. They're, they're both ones where... Isn't that funny? Not always, but the story helps to carry it all through. The Lost Tribe doesn't really have a plot, and I didn't think had a lot of gags. So this is one I've actually put down as, shall we say, a weaker episode. Am I wrong, or are you in agreement? No, I think that's uh, I think that's a pretty fair summation. Look, it it has what could be a fairly decent premise as in we're going to find the lost tribe i don't think it really delivers very much i must admit even the visual gags and the visual film sequences i I didn't think in this one were anything particularly special with a couple of exceptions Mm -hmm. but i didn't even think they were particularly special And, and the last section where they actually find the lost tribe Again, with one with one notable exception, I actually didn't think that part of it worked at all. I just that just fell completely flat for me that that last section. All right, Rob, any general thoughts before we explore this episode? Well, look, this is um, this episode for me is very much the famous or the fabled curate's egg. There's a lot that doesn't work, and there's a, there's some things that do work. I think the approach taken with this episode is is just throw anything at the wall in terms of jokes, sight gags, double entendres, uh, verbal gags, and see what sticks. And I think more often than not, they miss the mark. Yeah, so I wondered, is the problem here that it just doesn't work, or is the problem in part that what it's satiring is so foreign to us now that we completely miss what it's trying to do? Like, is, is this meant to be a satire of 1960s B-movies where actors would explore the Orinoco jungle, which is clearly, you know, eeling. There would be lots of women who would sprain their ankles. I, I, am I looking for excuses here? Is that possible? Oh, look, I'd never really thought of it like that, but I can see your point. Come, coming come, into come a... on, Richard, just tell me I'm right. No, I, I was actually going to say my... It's not one I had particularly fond memories of watching on the ABC, and my initial thought coming into it was... It was one of those ones that maybe I mean look, we have to be honest. Look, the ABC flogged the goodies pretty hard during during the late seventies and, and across the eighties. Thrashing, really, they are on very high rotation. 
Yeah, but basically when they couldn't screen Yes, Prime Minister or Doctor Who. They, they would fall back to that, or the rights of the Ghost and Mrs Muir had run out or something. Oh, but, um... Ghosts and Mrs Muir. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, just on a tangent, look, I thought they were okay when I watched them as about a 10-year-old, but having re-watched some of them, and I have re-watched some of them in the last year or two, they are very, very paper thin, um, some of those episodes. But at, at least the short of good is usually ended with an episode of Danger Mouse. So. Yes. My thought going in was that this perhaps was one I'd just seen too many times because I didn't have particularly fond memories of it. But I, I've actually now come to the point, no, I think it's actually, it actually just isn't very good. I don't actually know what it's trying to be, really. You're right. Look, there is an element in there that Tim does the whole thing. Well, you should never bring a woman on an expedition like this because at the vital moment, you'll always go and sprain her ankle, which I guess probably leads into those 40s and 50s B-movie of the damsel in distress. But but it, the, the sprain ankle joke is one that they use about five times across the episode. Well, the, the, the last one being, I guess, trying to be an inversion of it. But it is, it is those same jokes such as they are again and again and again and, you know there's only so many times you can have them smash through the jungle and pan out and there's a motorway next door yes they do do that multiple times i think i mean i haven't watched this uh, for 30 odd years probably since it was the last time it was broadcast on the bb uh, the abc but even watching it you know a couple of nights ago it is pretty thin it is thin gruel yeah i, I don't know what it's for the other ones you can at least say this is about the Commonwealth Games, or this is about art, or this is about pollution, this is about something. I don't know what they, what, what point they're trying to make, what they're trying to satire. I, I just don't know what this is for. But no. that said, there is some good stuff in it, which we will explore as we go in. But Accentuate the positive, Dave. We, we, well, we will when we find one. We're here to celebrate the goodies. We are, we not, are. Not bury it? <laughs> <laughs> um, that said, I did make my first note here... The opening sketch itself is really strange, where they're very cold because Bill, uh, Graham's installed a thermonuclear generator, which is than... clearly broken down or something. I think. Yeah. Um... I think it's, I think that's emblematic of what this episode's about. I mean, what is it about? You've got this sort of stranded gag. Well, you yeah. have because uh, Hazel then comes in in what's essentially a sundress. They then go and get dressed in safari gear, which is short and and, and short, and then they go outside. And it's, it's just mm. temperate. Yeah. And, yeah, because the joke's obviously meant to be that the explorer didn't get lost in the Orinoco of South America. He got lost in, in. suburban London. <laughs> but on the right. motorway somewhere. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't ever treat it as such. But, yeah, look, we'll get into it. So this is a... Uh, the f- not the first, the second example in season two of them actually being hired... Well, well, not hired, but politely asked, I guess. Yeah, well, they all come in, because she comes in and they, they immediately sort of all set about fawning all over her, mm. basically. Yes. And, and of course, we'll help you get there, there, dear. Yes. Uh, so they then head off, and now here's my big one, and look, I get that if we need the plot to go, we have to have some conceits and twists sometimes, but if this guy got lost, where did they get his diary from? Yes. yes. Uh, no, she actually says in the episode, doesn't she? Someone sent it to her and she doesn't know who. Oh, does she? Yeah, I think so. Oh, no, that's right, yes. Maybe I'm wrong. But then who sends it to her? Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's not resolved. Because she actually does say, I don't know where, where I, who sent it to me, but mm. I got his diary. Okay, so maybe we're meant to take from that that Roy Kinnear's character did Just send nicked it. out to the shops briefly and, and, and mm-hmm. mailed it to mailed her, it perhaps. To 
Yeah. I mean, because you go through all the, 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 the stuff about, you know, how she thought Daddy was in the potting shed for, for 20 odd years. <laughs> yeah. It's a very laboured gag, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this the subtitle of this episode? Yeah, what, yeah episode? whatever. Whatever. <laughs> it, it really could be. Uh, they, get, they then get ready to explore and they've had the, the comments about how uh, she should or shouldn't come yeah. with them. Uh, the line, I'm not a little girl, I'm a mature woman. Oh, well, that's okay then. Yes, and then of course that leads, of course, into the hey, hey, hey type jokes because you know well, she must come with us then. And then of course they go through the quick change cupboard and she comes out wrapped in a towel. Yes. Um, yes. And then of course Bill immediately climbs back into the cupboard to, yes. to keep her warm in inverted quotes. There's a lot of plus, movement in the cupboard as well. Yeah. I noticed. Plus she has the line when she comes out of the towel, this thing isn't working, and they say, oh yes, it is. <laughs> uh, look, it's a little bit seedy, but. At least... <laughs> At True, least, at, least at least there's a laugh there, even if it's a seedy one, mm. which is more than you say for most of this episode. We're being very negative today, aren't we? We're here to praise it, not bury it, someone smart. All right, let's, <laughs> find, let's find a good joke. Let's find some good stuff in it. Um, I'm exploring, I'm exploring. No, look, so they actually get to doing this. There's some good stuff in the exploration gag. The first iteration of them hacking through the jungle next to a motorway yep. is good. It's it's ruined because there's multiple iterations of it. Yes, and, and they're clearly... I mean, look, there's a couple of bits. I mean, she... They get to the end of their first, you know, their, their first hard slog through the unrelenting jungle, and, and yes, they camp by the motorway, and she, of course, catches them up by getting off a bus. Yeah. Which, again, works. I mean, there's some good stuff when they get inside the tent, where they have... I mean, they do that, that joke again about there's a Boy Scout and the Girl Guide, uh, obviously, canoodling or whatever in, in the sleeping bag. I did notice that the audience laughed their head off at that point when yeah. they emerged from the sleeping bag. That was very funny, and I think perhaps we'd have a, a comment on the perception of what scouts and girl guides got up to on <laughs> do they have jamborees in the uk is that an australian thing oh, no, listeners think, can write in i suppose no i think i think jamborees are pretty much universal, universal? Okay. i think okay. i think the, 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 well i think scouting is meant to be a, a fairly you know homogenous yeah, unit i think um, yeah, fair enough fair enough the other joke that i thought actually was was quite funny and very goodies-esque was where the dotted line across the map materialized yes, yes. That, that i quite liked but you also had stuff like, after seven seconds, we decided to take the tent off. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, so and then we ran around in a circle and jumped up and down three times and then fell over. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, no wait, I, I didn't mind that. Really? I, th I thought that was a nice I, little visual gag. Yeah, stupid, okay. but stupid. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I must admit, it, it probably it, it missed a bit with me, I'm sorry. but. Um... Okay, well, we're here to praise. Yes. yes. I've then got the word sheep. With a big box around it, all the <laughs> yeah, and I must admit that that <laughs> was one of my yeah, that was one of my big big plus. That is really well done. Yeah, yeah that's 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 probably the first real laugh out loud moment I think I had in this episode with yeah. the, the sheep fight. <laughs> but there was a couple of bits where they were in the tent, bit where Graham produces like he has the canvas clock, and then he produces yeah. the canvas oh, yes, television yeah, set, and they say that's impossible. Oh damn! And of course he has to turn it off and put it away, but. Again, you sort of get that nudge, nudge, wink, wink type joke where they give the bedroom to, to Hazel mm. and then, of course, they're lying down in their sleeping bag all trying to get comfortable and she comes flitting, which is sort of boring, I think, on an upskirting joke. Well, um, yeah, I think it leaps across the line. And, well, yeah. I mean, you could say it is or you could say it's not because clearly... We um, don't know what she's wearing under the No, mask, but and, their and, reaction tells you something, though. Yes, but yeah. then again, it could just be because they've seen a girl in a skimpy nighty. Oh, well, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, look, I... Don't want to explore that too far. No, <laughs> let's just move on quickly from that. We will. So let's let's get to when they actually find the lost tribe. Mm. 
Uh, the first thing we'll say is the guest star is Roy Kinnear. Yes. Who is probably very well known to people who would be listening to a Goodies podcast. Uh, he was in uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory as one of the fathers. Yes, he's Veruca Salt's father. He is. He's in an episode of Blake 7. He is. He's in an episode of Ripping Yarns as the Commandant of Stag Luft 11... Oh, that's right. Um, yes, he is too. Was 112B or something? 113B or something? 113B, yeah. He is. Well, he was in a lot of other British comedies too. He was, if you remember George and Mildred, he was he was George's sort of slightly shady, uh, shady friend. Oh, is that right? I, yeah. I, I do remember George and Mildred, but I didn't see a lot of it. Yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, but worth noting that his son Rory is now a very successful British actor, and is in fact in all of the Daniel Craig Bonds. I was just going to ask. That is his son. Yes, yes it his is. Son, yes. And he's the, the heavy set, heavy setish fellow. Uh, he's the guy that is, he's not Q, he's the assistant M or okay, yep, something, yep, yeah. Yep. But, but look, Roy, 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 Roy Kinnear has certainly been in a lot of stuff and very, very good. How did we find his appearance in this one? Completely wasted. Yeah. Completely wasted. Yeah, Phoned I... it in from far, far away. It just didn't seem to work at all. And I mean, look, I get the intention is that he's obviously a comic who, let's face it, his jokes aren't meant to be funny. I mean, he makes these stupid things when he goes, boom, boom. Mm. But he is sort of that. But I just, I, I don't know. That that whole section of it, again, with, with one bit, which we'll, I'm guessing we'll discuss in a moment, mm-hmm. I, I found his part of it really just didn't really work at all. Yeah, I think that any time when you're trying to lay the plot on the idea that a guy's gags aren't funny, it ends up just not being funny. Yeah, you're it's, it, it's not ironic or thoughtful or satirical it's just not funny mm. and when you couple that with the rather odd slash patronising portrayal of the Lost Tribe mm. so let, let, let's explore that for a start they're meant to be the Lost Tribe from the Orinoco in South America yes. and they're dressed as the British 70s stereotype of an African tribe <laughs> yes um, that, that well, doesn't help to be fair, they could be escaped slaves who've gone native. Well, they could be, and I mean, look, they're not. They're clearly not. They're clearly not. No, right. and I mean, it's glossed over quite quickly because they go, "Well, how did you find? You know, how did the lost tribe wind up here? They got lost. Boom, boom." Well, and, it, and look, there, there, there are a couple of good dead gags in there. I, although they're all ruined, I, I'd like the concept of they're they, they're out there working in the fields. You then get the visual gag of them at typewriters at desks working in the field. They then jump up and go boom, boom, and it spoils the whole thing. Yeah. Like it was a quite a good, and the same with a lot of the other ones. Just the, the only the know. only gag I thought that did work in there. There was a bit where Graham is is telling them, and he's doing the sign language. Me cook other two for you. You let me go. In this sort of you know, like as you would talk to an ignorant native, and the bloke just says in perfect English, "That would be excellent." Marvelous, I believe <laughs> the word is. And for all our concerns about the stereotyping, that neatly undercuts it. I think by showing an educated black man. Mm. It does, but... But you'd sort of gone through that, that whole witch doctor thing a few yeah. minutes earlier where, yeah. you know, booga, 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 you know, yeah. you need yeah. white man's magic to, fit, to to cure her. Yes, and it would be fascinating if any of these actors, particularly the guy who plays the witch doctor, was still alive today to find out what was going through his mind when he read that script and had to say those lines. Well, it would be interesting to know how black and Asian actors in the UK in the 60s and 70s actually thought. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure they were glad to get the work, mm. but how did they... Well, they must have felt awful about the stereotyping that was going on. Yeah, I mean, getting to... You know, the, the extras in this playing the, the tribe, 
would get to work, okay, it's good paid work or extra work, and they suddenly put in a grass skirt and a mm. funny wig with sticks coming out of it and told to jump up and down saying, boom, boom. It's, it's hardly Shakespeare, is it? So no. No, it's a living, I guess. Yeah, just. Just. <laughs> yeah, BBC extra wage yeah. probably didn't go too far. Uh, we then get to what I think for all of us was probably the highlight of the episode, and, and, and it was a generally good sequence, which is the cooking sequence, which is just a Graham Garden tour de force. Yes. I was just thinking, um, we haven't seen much of Graham tour de forcing so far in season two. This appears to be his strongest material, for me anyway, so far. Well, Is it, is it partly because Tim's been come out of his shell? Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. Um, potentially, yes. And I mean, we, this is probably one of the first times we get to see Graham do one of his really big takeoffs of somebody. Because, I mean, look, I mean, everybody knows Graham, he does the... And, and I guess we can talk about Eddie Waring a bit later, because he would be somebody, I, I think, growing up here in Australia, he obviously commented, uh, commentated on rugby. But other than that, I mean, I had no idea but, who Eddie Waring was. But I reckon there'll be a huge number of Australians who know that Eddie Waring is a rugby commentator only because, because of the goodies. they know Graham Gardner's takeoff. So we, we were discussing this earlier, uh, before we turned on the mic. Now, Richard, both you and I made the initial assumption when we watched this that it was going to be a it was a takeoff of Keith Floyd, and then I looked it up and found out that Keith Floyd didn't start on television until 1981. No, ten years it, later. No, it's actually a chap called Graham Kerr. He he again was quite big here in Australia, and I think Australia Australia or New Zealand was where he got his first big break. Um, he is Australian. No, he is he is English, but because I, Graham's accent seems to drift towards yes. an Antipodean one. So. Yes, well, no, I think it's here in New Zealand where he got his first big break. Was he was called the Galloping Gourmet. And, and he had a cooking show and he used he was very flary and he used a lot of wine in his cooking and he'd drink it I mean he didn't sort of try to put it and fall, fall down and do a, do a practice that's, that's probably one of the highlights of the episode yes. but he did a lot of that and he would do those exaggerated things where he'd come out and like smell the bouquet of what it was he'd just cooked and he would go to the point of getting a young female member of the audience to come out and actually taste what it was he'd just made okay so it is. It is a, apparently quite a. I would say quite a spot on impersonation. Well, which is which is amusing because it actually was a very good impersonation. It was of, and of Keith Floyd. It just, yes, it just wasn't. wasn't. No, it wasn't. And and I think that is most definitely that that two or three minutes is is the absolute highlight of the episode. Yes, and and, and the other funny part of that is that um, Bill and Tim have been left to sit in the pot for it, mm. but <laughs> Bill. He's clearly not having a good time. No, no, you <laughs> went wedged in the pot. Yeah. No, and, and just being sort of sloshed around. I, I wonder if that actually took a few takes because he looks really pissed off and just just doesn't want to be there by the yeah. by the time the version we get on. The, uh, on, on the, the flip side, Graham appears to be having a great deal of fun splashing <laughs> in with you know fake wine. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Graham's absolutely loving this one, mm. and 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 it shows. And maybe that's part of the problem with the episode is none of the three of them up until then seem to really be into it at all. I mean, you talk about Rob, Roy Kinnear phoning mm. it in. Are any of them really doing that much better for the first half? No. No, well, I mean, thinking about it, not really. I mean, they're sort of relying on Hazel a lot to, to, to mm. move the plot forward and, and get any sort of gags out of that. Yeah, and look, when we talk about any sort of gag, the revelation that her surname is nuts... It's not really the greatest comedy revelation of That's the a, series. That is, is a very low low point, I think, in the episode. Probably the <laughs> lowest point, actually, because it's just a stupid, stupid gag that isn't funny. No, yeah. and it's not done particularly well either. She sort of does, well, you know, you'd see why I'd keep that quiet. Mm. Well, what do you think of Hazel's the, the woman who played Hazel's performance? Equally flat. 
Yeah. I mean, look, it's very... Um, Which is clearly, you know, from that, that bombshell school of uh, British acting, sex comedies and stuff like that. I, I think, and that's obviously meant to be the thing, you know, the, the, the token woman along mm. on their expedition. And, of course, you can then make a lot of the nudge-nudge-wink-winky type jokes. Mm. Yeah, look, I actually wonder, thinking about this just as we're discussing it, whether this is an example of there being production issues or a script being late or being reworked. Because all of the... Whether it's goodies, Kinnear... Uh, the lady who's playing Hazel, which is Bridget Armstrong, they all are sort of acting as though they've only just seen the script. And they haven't really had time to workshop it and make it work. I, I don't know whether maybe there was oh, a bit of an evaluation. I, I don't think in terms of actually lodging the script, possibly in the production side of it, maybe, mm. there were issues. But um, no, I think this was actually one of the earlier scripts written. I, I think they were they had the script for this went in quite early. So yeah, In season two? Yeah, okay. I think so. Oh, look, maybe it just didn't work very well. Any other generic comments we want to make before we get into our segments? Look, for me, I think the entire episode is an extended series of skits in search, search of the story, really. It, it just falls flat for a lot of the way, uh, punctuated by some good visual stuff. And yeah, thing, things just sort of happen, really, for, for no other reason than just to, to advance. Like, Tim, I mean, they go and they meet the Lost Tribe, they've accepted their hospitality... And they're going to leave, and then Tim suddenly has to go. Oh, but you're illegal immigrants, mm. which of course, I mean, obviously sets up the last part of the script. But really, there's no nothing really. It just comes out of nowhere. No, look, it, it comes back to what I said right at the start. You can have a good story with weaker jokes, and it works. You can have good jokes with a weaker script, and it works. When the story is poor and the jokes don't land, you're not left with much. And and it's a shame. But it, look, this is. This is one I really did struggle with, and I don't like to be negative about it, but, you know, some of these episodes just aren't going to stand the test of time, and I guess this is one. And, sorry, Richard, I was just going to say, it, it's interesting that if you have a strong story, it supports... The jokes seem to come across much better. Mm. I think so. The thing, actually, one other point I had written here was the audience actually don't seem to be really getting into this either. No. If, if you listen to it, there's no really big laugh-out-loud moments through no. this at all most of this again there are some I think when you get into Graham's segment at the end mm. but a lot of the rest of it there's no real the audience are fairly muted uh, actually mm. during this so they're clearly not getting a lot out of it either it would I was just going to say it would be interesting to know how the recording of the episode goes I mean obviously the audience comes in and they do all the live stuff in studio is the OB stuff then played in onto a screen and yes. they're reacting to that that's how uh, it works I think so yes okay, they so record the laugh track uh, over that one in, done in one if ever you're interested I don't know how you find it but there was an episode of The Good Life that was done as a Royal Command performance where um, it, it was an extended episode or an extended piece of television the episode itself was the same way but it was topped and tailed by the Queen and, and I think the Duke as well came in to watch an episode of The Good Life being filmed and in that, that actually shows the whole thing of them arriving, and then it shows the warm-up guy doing his stuff and explaining exactly that. He said, so these are the sets we're going to have. Now, you may be able to see some of them through the cameras, but mostly you'll have to actually watch the screen, see what's being filmed, and stuff like the opening and closing credits and free film stuff will be shown on the screen. For uh, okay. So they would actually try to make it like an episode, and there would be a rough cut of, of that done. I think, Richard, you're not... Yeah, I was going to say, I do remember that, uh, that one. That's the, the uh, Will You Still Need Me When I'm 64 episode. I think. Yeah, no, I do remember that one actually. That that was quite that was quite interesting to watch that. Mm. May have to see if we can dig up a copy of that. It's got George Cole in it too, as the bank manager. Okay, okay. there you go. YouTube is our friend, maybe. We'll get into our regular segments. Adverts. We have, uh, well, interestingly here, we have one on the copy that we watched, which is 
the beans beans hands again. Yes. And this time he gets the full plate of beans in the face, and uh, Graham seems to quite enjoy rubbing it in. Well, this is the one that I remember the most of all the, the beans ads, the, the one where he gets the plate mashed into his face. Um, look, we've said it before, it's just kitty violence generates the laugh. So I don't think there's anything more that I can say to that. Now, Richard, you wanted to mention yes. the, the not present second ad. Yes, well, there is a second ad. This, this was a, an episode that was screened uncut here in Australia, aside from this second ad. It was for a product called Dreaded Wheat, which is obviously shredded wheat. The, the setup of the ad, the, it's, it's the takeoff of the perfect housewife, you know, who sends her husband and kids off for the day with a good breakfast inside them and she's giving them all her love and all her best. And then the subversion is that she's actually then got all these gentlemen callers, the milkman, the baker, the bloke who comes to read the meter, um, some bloke from down the street and his friend. Um, and, and whatever, and she goes through this whole list of people. Um, and then says, you know, and I'm giving them, I'm giving them all my best, and I don't mean the dreaded wheat. <laughs> now it was cut here. The episode, I believe, has been recovered again. It was, it was one that the Australian censor bought, uh, the Australian censor did did retain, so it has been recovered. I don't know that it's been screened anywhere. Um, I certainly don't know of anyone who's seen it. So what 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 was the reason for it being cut? Well, I, I think obviously the fact that this woman clearly just was running a um, Bordello clearly or something out of with her, her with herself as the sole uh, yeah the sole proprietor well, I think it, I guess it's interesting that the mere insinuational suggestion of it of the innuendo was enough for it to be outright cut having not seen it I don't know whether yeah, it's, yeah. It, it actually yeah. shows these these long string of gentlemen hanging around out the front of her house no. perhaps we may okay. have to rely on network DVD but too. yeah I think I would hope again yes it would be one that would be restored when network do their um, when they do their DVD releases, but uh, yes, that that was cut here, and it's it's no longer in any extant version. I don't believe. So, if it is released on DVD, will you sit through the whole episode, or just cut to see if that ad's in there? Oh. Uh, <laughs> you know, you I'm going to cut one. to the ad. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least that was honest. Uh, any first times or tropes in this one? Um, I, I didn't have any. I, I didn't have any firsts in this one. No. 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 Nope. And what couldn't they get away with today? Well, uh, clearly the, the dr- Yes, I was about to say, I, I think, the, I was going to say the whole thing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think clearly the, the stereotype nature of the natives, I, I think now would be a problem. Yeah, but, look, um, I think we mentioned this in past episodes. That sort of stuff uh, just doesn't work anymore. No. It, I, I don't know how to what extent it worked back then, but you wouldn't do it today. Well, again, I mean, it's obviously meant to be what... A, a 70s viewer would expect yes. a lost tribe and a native tribe to, mm. to be like. Yes, to the point they're from the wrong continent. Yes. Yes. And I expect, well, look, the dreaded weed ad, I suppose, without having actually seen it, I don't know, but mm. you would think the premise might now cause a problem. Um, ironically, this version of the upskirting joke is maybe just subtle enough. I don't know if you'd see it on family television these days, but I could see some of the more outrageous... TV shows or movies doing a variation on it? I think you could do a variation on it. I mean, look, it's not expressly done as an upskirting joke. No, I, I and, think... and frankly, it's not very funny. It's, no, it's, it's not. It's very, very schoolboy humour, and the, the goodies can be better than that. Yes. But you could do it today. Yes, I, I think you'd probably get away with that. And, and as I said, in the ABC, clearly, or the, the Australian censors clearly thought you could get away with it, because... Yeah, yeah and, and it's interesting that, like, again, without seeing the ad, 
they had innuendo cut, but a very clear upskirting moment held in. So Yes, that is interesting. Mm. Okay. Gentlemen, our favourite gags. Any volunteers to go first? Mm, look, I'm going to say just the whole Graham cooking sequence, and that's it. I can't think of anything else. I, I would nominate that. The other one would be Ress and the Sheep. Because I, I thought that that's really quite funny where they see the sheet and they and it comes flying <laughs> through the air at him. Look, that, that was well done. Yeah, no, that, that was quite good. Uh, the one that I nominated was one that you mentioned earlier, Richard, where he pulls out the canvas television. Uh, and he, does it work? No, it can't, that can't work. A canvas television is scientifically impossible. Oh, damn. <laughs> that, that was quite a nice little laugh. So there, there were some nice jokes in there, but fair to say, not one of our favourites. No. But fortunately, next week we have The Music Lovers, which I think we're going to have much better things to say about. Tune in next time, listeners, to find out if we do. But until then, it's time for A Walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. No, absolutely delicious recipe. You let me go. Me cook other two for you. That would be marvelous. <laughs>